0: What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. I am David Hassagen. With me, as always, the czar of the playbook, Emory Hunt. Emory, good morning.
1: Good morning, man. What's going on with you?
0: Man, I'm trying to recover from this weekend. It, it was it was crazy. It was long. It, it I, I'm, no, I'm no astrologer, but there was a full moon on Saturday night, and I think... That's the only way we can say how this madness is okay at this point. This is absolutely nuts. Folks, we got a lot to talk about on this week's show. Madness in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Madness in the Big Sky Conference. We've got upsets all over the place, and we have almost no tickets punched to the playoffs with two weeks to go. I don't know how this is possible. But there is a way for you to find out how this is possible. Isn't that right, Emory? I I think there's a couple
1: ways they can figure it out, There's multiple ways you can find out how.
0: I I think you can go to footballgameplan.com slash FCS kickoff, where you can talk about the FCS conference whip around. So if you wanted to talk about your own conference, you can figure it out that way. You can go to iTunes. You can get the Football Game Plan podcast. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there. You can go to youtube.com slash footballgameplan for all your Football Game Plan network videos. Emory's a busy man this weekend, folks. There's going to be a lot of stuff going up on the YouTube And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and my man Emery, it's at FBallGamePlan, all on Twitter. But let's let's just get into this, because, I mean, the week that was, was just nuts. We'll get into it, but let's get some flash scores from the week. Kennesaw State. Big out-of-conference win, 16-14 over Montana State.
1: Yeah, that was a huge game, a huge program-defining victory for the Owls, going all the way out west to Bozeman and getting a victory. They had to work hard for that victory against Montana State. Big game in the big sky, and it might be curtains for the Eastern Washington Eagles. We'll talk about that, but they lose to Weber
0: State 28-20.
1: I think we kind of saw that coming. Weber State is a really good team, one of those underrated squads. Good year this year. Yeah, exactly, and I'm glad they were able to get that win at Eastern Washington. Bryant- 48-45 over Sacred Heart, the wild game of the weekend. Because their offense, man, I'm telling you, head coach James Perry is going to do great things with Bryant because of what he can do offensively. His offenses at Princeton were phenomenal, and I'm glad to see them now starting to hit their stride out there in Rhode Island. San Diego, they've pretty much wrapped up the Pioneer League. They win 45-15 over Drake. I guess we could punch their ticket already. You could probably pin them in to the playoffs already.
0: Finally, somebody has it. Somebody
1: made it. Harvard. 21-14 21-14 over Columbia. Here come the Crimson. But why it took so long for them to get off the mat, man? That's just been puzzling to me. Harvard is a team that's routinely at the top, but they're starting to win at the right time. I mean, they're Harvard.
0: They, cal- they had to calculate these things.
1: <laughs> Northern Iowa, massive upset win. 34-29 over South Dakota. We always talk about Northern Iowa as one of those teams you can't necessarily count out. And this was one of those weeks where you tried to count them out, but they came out with a the- with the win. Elon, the Phoenix are still very much in this thing. Double overtime, but they took down Towson. Coach Rob Ambrose at, at Towson. Great dude, funny guy, great coach. He's another one that will always have his team ready to play. They finally found some offense, which is why they were in double overtime. We know their defense will be good. Uh, Elon, another one that had to really work hard to get this win against Towson. And one last scoreline, the Dakota
0: Marker. Goes to the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. They defeat the Bison
1: 33-21. Great offensive performance by South Dakota State, but what a good defensive performance! Forcing two interceptions or three interceptions, I believe, from Easton Stick in that ball game. So yeah. that's uncharacteristic of Stick throwing turnovers. So not surprised they won the game, but good, good rivalry win and a great win for the FCS, which is why we have a lot to talk about this week. I'm gonna, we're going to start with Missouri, what we call
0: Missouri Valley mayhem, folks. And we just talked about a couple of them. South Dakota State, number 10, good team. Beat number two, North Dakota State. Unranked Northern Iowa, but always a team you have to worry about in the MVFC. Knocks off South Dakota, number six. And Western Illinois, who nobody's giving any respect to at number 15, knocks off number 12, Illinois State, just when we thought Illinois State's coming right back up to the top. How do we explain any of this? Right. (laughs) How do we explain any of this right now?
1: Three of the top four teams in that conference took losses this week, and the one team that we were ready to ready to bury won a game, and that's Youngstown State. So, and they still quietly have one of the best defenses in the country.
0: I I, it's profound. Let's start though with that the 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 battle for the Dakota Marker: South Dakota State, North Dakota State. You mentioned Easton Stick, and we we've talked about him a lot. You know, both on and off the air. Um, Obviously filling big shoes in Carson Wentz, who, of course, is having great success with the Eagles right now. Um, But this was the first time we've really seen him make mistakes. Three interceptions against the Jackrabbits. On the other side of the ball, Taron Christian had had himself a day for the Jackrabbits, throwing for 329 and two TDs. But again, was this more about mistakes from the Bison, or was this North South Dakota State playing to their potential and winning this thing?
1: I think both things can be true in this situation because we saw their defense i thought put together their best effort this season yeah enforcing those turnovers and and you have to be there to force those turnovers so they were there making plays but it shows you once again that maybe one of the best players in the country or i'm sorry in the fcs so to speak is their tight end dallas Godert. yeah i mean a, again over 100 yards you know they have jake Winicky at receiver but Godert is the, is the guy that is the number one option, and they couldn't stop him uh, once again this game. But Taron Christian is a guy that's a he does it on both ends of offense, and their offense is multifaceted. But defensively was probably the more shocking story to me because you don't see you you don't if you even if you go back to Brock Jensen, you don't see North Dakota State quarterbacks make mistakes. Yeah, They barely throw turnovers. You know, Winston throw turnovers. Jensen didn't throw uh, interceptions. Like, they, their interception number is always low because they're running the football well, they're operating off play action, and it's a lot of, you know, good uh, high percentage throws, whether it's short or deep down the field. And you saw the same thing with Stick. You know, even when he filled them for Carson Wentz, it, during those eight games, Wentz was out with a, a wrist injury. He was 17 touchdowns, four Right. So you don't normally see these guys throw – interceptions like this which is why it was just so shocking but you have to give credit to the jackrabbits defense for forcing those turnovers and i gotta give credit
0: too to their rushing game as well because christian had himself a game through two tds that would not have been enough and you know obviously the defense side of the ball they didn't overwhelm the bison on the running game only 147 yards but two rushing tds as a team total with among four running backs that's gonna win you ball games you have to be consistent running the ball if you know, and that's what the Bison didn't do: is they had three interceptions from their quarterback, didn't trust the running game enough to take hold of this game and put it away. That's what the Jackrabbs were able to do,
1: and that's also surprising because we know that's what North Dakota State is good at: yep. running the football. Exactly, um, their offensive line is outstanding. It they, and they turn over guys every year, and so we just see them replenish the the offensive line with capable starters. And then they lose those guys in the offseason, then they bring in more guys. And they are all – we talked about this in the preseason. And even throughout the course of this this regular season, they are four deep in the backfield. So if they lose a guy in the backfield, they're still deep at tailback. So, again, credit the Jackrabbits' defense for making them one-dimensional and they really were able to – Really, North Dakota, their way to this ballgame, quite
0: honestly. Exactly. And you talk about defense, you saw that also from Northern Iowa beating number 6 South Dakota and holding them to 29 points. Now, if you look at that on paper and you don't know about South Dakota and what they can normally do, 29, okay, decent day's work. This team can put up 50 on you easily without even trying. Two interceptions for the Northern Iowa defense, including the game winner by Keelan Brooks, which he returned for a touchdown. That doubled the number of interceptions for the year for Strebler. Two picks going into this game, two picks in the game, and they drop the game.
1: Yeah, when he doesn't turn a ball over, they win. Yeah. Qu- quite simply. Uh, but, and granted, one of those touchdowns were, uh, you know, was a defensive touchdown, but the offensive output for Northern Iowa, Yeah, that's something we haven't seen this year. Where has that been? Exactly. And Where has so, it been? I, 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 defensively, we know they have weapons or, or talent, offensively they have some pieces they they got a good receiver out there on the flanks a big big body wide receiver but we haven't seen them play a complete game and when you're able to force turnovers things like this will happen strebler i was shocked because of how well he played outside of the pick six yes you know yes and he had them in position to win that game
0: exactly and and, i mean you, you talk about northern iowa not playing a complete game they're five and four I mean, we've written them off like two or three times, but we've also said a few weeks ago they were going to be the fly in the ointment team. Here's the thing they can still win this whole thing. Quietly. Because, <laughs> yeah, quietly. Shh. Because the Missouri Valley Conference, there are five teams who can win the conference with two weeks to go. And two of the other ones are Western Illinois and Illinois State, who faced off an interstate matchup. And it's Western Illinois who picks up the win 31 14. What, what, what Where's I mean, a good quarterback duel in this one. Pretty evenly matched, but it was mistakes
1: again. But see, that's the thing. I can't figure out Illinois State. That's the one team I can't figure out. <laughs> you know, you kind of get a good read on, on North Dakota State, South Dakota State. South Dakota, you know Western Illinois' offense can put up points. They got great linebackers. Brett Taylor's a really good linebacker. Yeah. I, for one, cannot figure out Illinois State. Colb is the quarterback that turns the ball over in bunches and when he has those games, they lose. Yeah. And so he had one of those games.
0: And and it's, you talk about their win I lo- mean they, their losses are to Northern Arizona, South uh, Southern Illinois, which that shouldn't happen, and Western Illinois, but this is also a team that shut out Youngstown State, <laughs> beat South Dakota 37-21, and uh, like what what is going on with I mean they started the year off with four consecutive wins starting with a shutout of Butler 45-nothing and then you can't get past the Salukis you you lose forty 42-7 to the Salukis and then come back and beat North Dakota beat South Dakota What what I don't understand this team anymore I, I like you're we're both lost on this team What
1: what this is really doing is causing a crazy amount of chaos for the playoffs oh. because now think about Let's say for we all we and we'll talk about this in a few. But think about the two teams in the Big South, right? Yeah. They're consistently winning. They're both yep. eight and one, I believe. Juxtaposed to the mayhem that's going on here in the Missouri Valley Conference, you also look at the Northeast Conference. Yeah, I was about to say Northeast is the same way, same way. So if you're a team like Central Connecticut State, Duquesne, St. Francis, Kennesaw, uh, or Monmouth, where do you fit in if one of these? Missouri Valley teams finishes with a, a record lower than yours, but because they're in the SEC of the FCS, oh. people look at them and say, okay, well, their losses mean more. So we're going to put this six and five team in over this 10 and one team from a smaller, quote unquote, conference, lesser known conference. Yeah. Um, so that's what this mayhem is really doing for the FCS playoffs. A lot of people will be upset on selection Sunday if their 10-1 team does not get in.
0: Speaking of big names that are possibly on the bubble, we got a couple big names that are in big trouble now, and we're going to start with Eastern Washington. And I've said it for the last couple weeks. I don't know how they're ranked where they're ranked. No disrespect to this team. We know what they can possibly, they can do on their day. But how is this team ranked number 11 in the last FCS stats poll, ahead of teams that they are behind in their own conference? which makes no sense to me, but Eastern Washington comes off another loss. They lose to Weber. They're now 5-4, and 4-2 four. Four and two in the conference. That's the one thing that might save them. Are they done, though? Because you, there was some, also some team news that came out that we talked about last night that could affect their last two games.
1: Yeah, Gage Gubru, the quarterback, is going to be suspended for this upcoming game against North Dakota, I believe. Yeah. And that puts them in serious jeopardy because you have Gubru was a, is the guy that stirs the drink offensively because he's a the quarterback, he's a point guard, he distributes and he gets everyone involved and they are able to score a lot of points which helps them overcome a bad defense. Now, you take him out of the equation, your bad defense will look worse. No, hold on. You said bad defense? There's a whole lot better words you can use <laughs> yeah. than bad. How about
0: atrocious? Swiss cheese? absolutely devolving into chaos every week. And that's the thing. They're getting hurt on the defensive side of the ball because junior linebacker Kirk Calhoun is also suspended for the North Dakota game. I don't think that that's going to hurt or help. I don't know anymore because if you look at this team defensively, you're talking about one of the worst defensive teams in college football. Not FCS. College football. Let's go through their ranks right now. They're 113th in total defense. 105 in both pass and rush D. 107 in points per game allowed And 115th in yards per game allowed Yeah they might be bad this, <laughs> They might be bad This team deserves to be nowhere near The playoffs But because of their name Because they had a guy drafted to the LA Rams Cooper Cup who is doing amazing things this season And because Red turf They're going to get in somehow And they do not deserve it And yet somehow with their offense they're going to be in games
1: But, but you, you know what's funnier North Dakota's defense may be worse.
0: I don't know. I, I can't see that being possible. I <laughs> so really can't see that being possible. This game
1: will look like a December classic basketball matchup. Yeah. We may get in the 70s. But I,
0: and without the overtimes. Exactly. <laughs> without the over. I without
1: mean, the overtimes.
0: These guys make the
1: Giants' defense look good. Hey, man, I, I was at that game yesterday. That, that – <laughs> I am sorry. Listen, that <laughs> I'm sorry, man. That was some that that defense was uh it was a textbook example of miscommunication. And a lot of it was due to the fact that you have a lot of new players going in the lineup, which is what you're seeing from North Dakota, because last year that was the best defense in the big sky. And a lot of players graduated out. And players get hurt. Yep. So, you know, they're out they're without one of their star players for the season. And so that right there throws off your secondary, throws off the communication. You're going to give up a lot of big plays. You combine that with your offense not doing what they did last year, which was running the football control on the clock. You're going to be in a lot of shootouts, which is what happened, which is why they're sitting at three and seven, which makes this game against Eastern Washington. So interesting because Eastern Washington's defense, you know, is going to get exposed again, but their offense can the backup maintain that level because if they can get in the thirties, I think they can beat North Dakota with their backup. They could. They could. But can they do that with a, a guy that's that's going to be starting for the first time in a pivotal in a pressure game? Right, this is a we you know we we're asking if they are done. I mean, if they win this game, they probably are not considering the conference they play in, but this is a must this is a playoff oh, elimination game, quite honestly.
0: Absolutely. See, for me, I think there's just too much against them. For me personally to put them in, the committee will see the name, and they'll see the conference they're coming out of, and they'll say, good enough. But if they lose this game to North Dakota, nobody's putting this team in there and nowhere close. Let's talk about one other big program, though, and that's Villanova, who also is coming off a loss to Richmond, who we've already said is done. The Spiders are out. Villanova's now 4-5, but they're still ranked somehow. Are they done?
1: If, if it was based off new helmets alone, they're not done. <laughs> Those helmets, man, I, I tweeted out like, listen, I don't care who they're playing this Saturday. Fair point. They're going to blow them out <laughs> Fair based point. off the helmets alone. That's, that's one of the ones
0: you see on the, on the internet where they reveal in the player meeting. Exactly. And all the players, ah!
1: Oh! Ex- right. They're
0: jumping up and down. They're throwing. If you haven't in the seen air.
1: that Villanova helmet, I was all, I would have lost all my money. Because <laughs> based off that helmet alone, I was all in the, on the Wildcats, and he'd go out there and get shut out. So, but but we've made the we made the excuse for for them all season long. Once their quarterback Benarzic was out, yeah, you kind of knew they were done. They were they were okay offensively anyway, but now they don't have the ability to score, which puts a lot of pressure on their defense. This is what you're seeing out there with the Giants, you know. Yeah. Uh, offense can't sustain drives. Defense is out there doing what they can. They're getting stops, but after a while, they get tired. That's what's happening with, with Villanova. Those injuries have now caught up with them. I mean, you look at their scoring in conference. They're one of the – what, yeah. second to last? Yeah. William & Mary is, is right at the bottom who's having a, a weird, bad year. Yeah. So – if their offense can't score, their defense is still one of the best in conference. Yes. They just can't do anything offensively. So I do think because of their offense's inability to score, yes, they are done. And then you look
0: at the at resume as well. I mean, their wins are against Lehigh and Lafayette. I mean, both of those teams couldn't get out of a paper bag defensively. Shout out to anybody. Lafayette. Yeah, Lafayette. I mean, that's the thing. They shut out Lafayette 59-0. Um, but then their other wins are against Maine and
1: Towson. Now, Towson, obviously a program on the rise. They took Elon to the brink. Towson week. is hit or miss because, again, Towson doesn't have offense. Right. Towson is bit built a lot like Villanova.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the defensive side of the ball. But, they're. Lo- I mean, you have a loss to JMU, which you expect, even though last year was a close game. You got a loss to Elon, who's one of the surprise teams. But then you're losing to Richmond, who's having a really down year, and you're losing to Albany. The, big, the biggest thing is they're losing to the teams that if they make the playoffs, they're going to have to face again. And they're losing to them. And, and some of the scores are closer
1: than the games are.
0: They, there's no reason for them to be in here. There's just none.
1: Yeah, I think I th- I, I can safely say, and, and Villanova will be great next year. Yes. But this year, I think they are done. They're just trying to – I think they're at the point where, you know, you're just trying to build confidence for next season because they lost three straight games. This injuries. was a winnable game for them against Richmond. This was a game yeah. that if they won, they probably would be back in the conversation. They would have been in that Delaware conversation, yeah. but I don't, I don't see them. I think right now, I, I don't want to say, you know, just start preparing for next year, but you're probably going to start to see a lot more younger players get more reps. Yeah. Um, as they just start prepping for next year, because I think next year, a healthier Villanova team will be this will be next year's Elon.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, Here's the thing, they got Delaware as their last game on the schedule, so they win against Rhode Island, which is not a guarantee. Rhode Island, I know how you like Rhode Island. You I saw know. you saw what happened at halftime, right? Oh, I, I know what happened at halftime. I also know what happened in the second half of URI against JMU, <laughs> but um, that could be a do or die game for Villanova. We don't know. Um, again, folks, you're listening to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hassigan here with Emery Hunt. Let's talk about, though, teams that have been consistent throughout this season, and you know, always the one and two teams always get the hype. JMU, rightfully so, defending national champion. North Dakota State, rightfully so, dominant for the last, pretty much the, most of this decade. But the team's right behind them at 3, 4, and 5. And I know we only had 3 and 5, but I'm going to throw number 4 in there, Central Arkansas as well, as teams that have been quietly consistent all year long. Central Arkansas, Jacksonville State, and Sam Houston State. I think they could easily contend with any of these teams that we could see in the postseason.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the thing, man. Jacksonville State, to me, had the biggest question mark coming into the season because how are they going to replace Eli Jenkins, the quarterback that did everything for their running game, opening up things on yep. both ends? And, and it was just a great leader, had them in a the championship game against North Dakota State. They lose him, you know, like, okay, offensively, we don't know. You know, they lose Trem- Tremaine, uh, Tremaine Pope. Who's yep. now in the NFL? You're like, okay, I don't know. Rock Thomas is a good player, but how good is he, right? But they just picked up right where they left off. They are one of the more consistent teams in college football right now. They, you know, they they're eight and one. Their one loss was against an FBS opponent, but I think Jacksonville State just looks stout defensively. They're still, I mean, you got Joel McCandless, you have uh, the guys out there, Ciaran Neal, the linebacker, you have uh, the guy out there on the corner, the six three corner. Um, there's just, they're, they're good. Yeah. And, and this it's hard to find. And naturally as analysts and pundits, our job is to, to nitpick a little bit. Yeah. But it's hard to nitpick Jacksonville state because they are just good. Exactly. I mean, you're looking at a top 10 defense in yards,
0: rushing yards allowed points per game and yards per game, top 10. And in two of those in three of those statistical categories, they're top five. Wow. I mean, this team is going to be tough to beat. And you talk about, uh, you know, replacing their quarterback play, they haven't really done that per se. You know, not to the degree you would expect. But their rushing game is still number sixteen in the country, in rush yards total. So, you look at this team. As you said, the most points they've given up outside of that FBS game to Georgia Tech is twenty-five to Eastern Kentucky, which was kind of a shocking. You know, closer game than it should have been. Shout out to the Colonels. Yes, but seven points to Tennessee Tech, fourteen to Austin P, fourteen to Eastern Illinois, seven to Illinois State. They gave up 23 to Murray State, but they put up 59. So they haven't been in a close game yet this year, which is the one thing I would say is a possible obstacle for them hmm. if they're in a tight game with somebody in the postseason, which they will be. There's never a team that blows out their way outside of Division Three in the postseason. Is that where they're going to struggle? Because they really haven't had that kind of game. They've always been in control. They've put it away pretty early, and then defensively they just shut things down. You're going to run into a team like a Weber State with a high-powered offense, or South Dakota. You're going to be in a close game. How are they going to affect? How's that going to affect them?
1: Yeah, that's going to be a great matchup. If they, you know, they say styles make fights. Yeah. So when you look at Jacksonville State against, let's say the other teams that we're going to talk about, a Sam Houston State or a Central Arkansas, team that you may stop their offense initially, but they're going to keep coming. And can you play great defense the entire game? And can your offense? get you back in the ball game if those offenses uh, of those two teams start out blazing so that you, you're absolutely right can they compete offensively with the South Dakota State and Eastern uh, I'm sorry uh Central Arkansas Sam Houston State hell even a Lehigh
0: yeah you know if Lehigh, if gets, Lehigh in. gets
1: in can Lehi- Lehigh will they can put up points yeah they can't stop anybody <laughs> so yeah, your exactly. offense may look good yeah you know yeah uh, especially the running game and so maybe you can win that way but that's going to be the biggest key for them. Can they compete with someone that has offense? But defensively, they have more than enough to get to Frisco. Yes,
0: absolutely. You talk about offense though, and that's where you have to talk about Sam Houston State. Defensively, this team is pretty average, pretty middle of the road. There are times when they look bad. There are times when they look, oh, you know, okay, that's not bad. I mean, you know, they did. They've had some pretty weak opponents recently, but only allowed 16 points to Stephen F. Austin, which is you know usually a pretty. That's tough a rivalry game, game too. Rivalry so. game. Um, but you look at their offense number one in total offense number one in points per game number one in yards per game they're number two in passing yards and oh the rushing game is down they're 27th <laughs> this team can fly and i mean oh yeah it's texas this is like the big 12 the wild wild west bingo this team can beat you that way that's the only thing
1: that's what i uh, th- that that was a great comparison because that's what the southland conference is oh it's it's, it's absolutely the big nuts. 12 of fcs football yeah there's barely any defense, all offense, and even their questionable teams have offense. Southeastern Louisiana, they can put up points, yeah. right? But we're talking about Sam Houston State. The one thing that worries me about this team this year that we didn't see last year, their quarterback, Jeremiah Briscoe. He's playing great again, yeah, right? But he's turning the ball over. Yeah. We didn't see a lot of that last year, and that's why they were able to – get deep into the playoffs and you face a ball hawking defense bingo you know like could, the bears yeah exactly and that's where central arkansas
0: comes in because you talk about the one that's the one team out of these regions that we're talking about that has for me the complete package they're not tremendous at any point but they're great at every point offensively they're top 25 in most of the major car- categories they're putting up i mean 458 yards a game That's number 10 in the country. But defensively, you're one of the few teams in that Southland Conference that you can look at and say, you know what? Defensively, they're not bad. If you put up points against them, you've done a good job. In other cases, you're like, you played a Southland team. That's why you put up 64. (laughs) There's no reason. But Central Arkansas, top to bottom, again, they're not flashy. They're not going to have something where, like, wow, that, that linebacking core is tremendous or, wow, their wide receivers are amazing but they're going to get the job done, and they've done it all year.
1: In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? So in the <laughs> land of offense, the team with the best defense will be outstanding. Yes. And the reason why Central Arkansas is who they are, is what they is, or however the saying goes, you know, the reason yes. why they're good right? yes. <laughs> is because, look at the line of scrimmage, right? Yeah. Their offensive line, I think, is the best in the conference. Ooh. They beat teams up front offensively. So, their offensive line preps their defensive line. Yes. It's the Alabama theory. Alabama's great along the line of scrimmage because you have the two best sides going to get, going up against each other every day at practice. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. So, their offensive line helps out their defensive line. So, by osmosis, they're going to be the best up front in the conference, which is why they're winning like they are. The other team I think that can probably compete with them um, is McNeese. but. They've beaten McNeese already. And held it to 17 points. Exactly. And so McNeese is built similarly, but they don't have the offense that Central Arkansas has. So Central Arkansas, to me, has the most complete team uh, in the Southland and probably, you know, probably, maybe maybe
0: in the FCS. It's a... It's a claim you can make. You I mean, you talk make, about right? southeastern Louisiana. They held them to six points.
1: And that's a high-flying offensive attack.
0: They held Sam Houston to 30, which if you look at what that's Sam like Houston – That's like holding them to three. Yeah, when you look at what <laughs> Sam Houston can normally do, that's incredible. And this team has held their last three opponents under 20 points. Granted, two of them are
1: Northwestern State and Lamar, but one of them is McNeese. So but, let me ask you, what team you believe uh, – or what type of team, let's say – Projected for in the playoffs would give Central Arkansas problems. If you're looking at a team that could
0: give them a problem, I mean, the one thing they are a little bit down on pass defense. They're 73rd in the country there. The rushing g- defense is great. Points per game are great. Um, you look down the line. There's not too many teams that I can say yes they would whip Arkansas Central Arkansas. I can't. I I can't pick one out off the top of my head to be perfectly honest with you because they are that. Because like, oh, this team has can do this and this. Well, it's like, well, they played a team that can do these three things and they stopped them. Yeah, but this team does this and this instead. They did that too. So, I think the one team that m- the teams that might give them trouble are the teams that actually run more of a balanced attack because they're so used to the pass happy offense. You get a, a team with a good running back game, that might be the hole in their armor because they haven't been tested like that in the Southland.
1: So, so you're saying the road to Frisco, Texas from Conway, Arkansas has no exits.
0: I'd say maybe one, maybe one. And I don't know who that team is because we don't know who's going to get
1: in. <laughs> so That's true. They, right? We right? Have right? no idea who's going to get in um, right now. They are looking like the number one seed, though.
0: I, I would. They're definitely getting a buy. I, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Talk about themes, though, that are flying under the radar. And we talked about a little bit about the Big South. It's a two horse race. It's been a two horse race all year. It's gonna I, and with all the chaos that's gone on around them, this is gonna be a play-in game between Monmouth and Kennesaw State. But these two teams have been good all year long, both eight and one,
1: three and zero in their conference. What has been the big, big reason for their success? Balance, yeah. and balance for Monmouth because they can run the ball and they can uh, throw the ball as well. Kenji Bahar had a, a rare <gasps> bad game last week. Yeah, you know, he turn, right. turned the ball over, but he's been playing phenomenal. Kennesaw State beats you up up front on both sides of the ball. They're a run-based team. They run a, a version of the option out of the shotgun. So you got to stop their running game. But defensively, they're great. You know they get off the field. They held Montana State to under twenty points. I would say fourteen points after traveling all the way. After traveling, and they stopped. They stopped the run, and they played in the snow. Yeah. So they were able to play great defense against a non-common opponent. They they rarely play teams west of the Mississippi. Right. You, you know, you're telling me they don't they don't get snow in South Georgia? It well, <laughs> hell. Nowadays you might get does didn't Atlanta shut down last week uh, uh last year because of the snow? <laughs> because of ice. They don't exactly. even need the snow. Exactly. They just need to get So ice. you never know. You might get you might get you get snow in, in in South Georgia, but you get heat wave in Montana. But they they went out there and did what they had to do, and that was a big win because now how can you keep one of these teams out? When they play each other at the end of the season, yeah. And so, it would be a crime if Mammoth goes ten and two. Let's say they lose to uh, Kennesaw State. Yep. They ten and two on the season, with their one loss being to the guy that's the conference winner at eleven and one.
0: Yeah, it, you it, can't
1: keep them out. It's cruel. It's absolutely
0: cruel, and, and that's why I think the team teams in the NEC are going to struggle with oh this. Oh my god, they're going to get really punished by this. But here's the thing with Kennesaw. Defensively, they are so good across the board. And you can say, who did they play? And you can make that argument, especially in the Big South, being a smaller conference. But you have a team in Liberty that they're playing every year who are right. mo- making the jump to FBS. They're talented. Who are a good side. Gardner-Webb always you know, has their ups and downs, but they're always kind of a tough game. Presbyterian, we've said it before. The fly. They, don't, they don't beat themselves <laughs> at any point. But both of these teams now have quality out-of-conference wins on their schedule. I mean, you could almost argue Kennesaw has the better ones with Alabama State, who are now on a three-game winning streak, and Montana State. Monmouth has knocked off Lehigh, who could still win the Patriot League. Monmouth has won the Patriot League. Yes, yes. I mean, they really, really, really have. If you look at their schedule, folks, it's, it's you're like, wait, how is that out-of-conference? How are they only three? <laughs> no, they're six and no. What does what this matter? But they also beat Albany. That's a good one. Tough team in the CAA with a good defense, and they beat Hampton, who's having a very good year in the MEAC. So both of these teams have – you can look at their, you know, their whole dossier, if you will, and say, you know what? I think we can fit you in somewhere. Now, are these teams going to get blown out in the first round? We don't know. That's the thing. We, we, when the small conferences where there's not a ton of high-level opponents, you don't know what you're going to get. But the way that Kennesaw is playing, especially on defense – They could give a lot of people problems, but Monmouth is going to be right there with them. So you're talking
1: about one of the best rush defenses in the country against the number one rushing offense. I've made this case constantly uh, for teams that when we have this debate and people always look at strength of schedule, you can only play who's on the schedule. It's so hard in college football to win one game, let alone all of them. So to go undefeated, you've done something really well. I've made this case for teams – In the FBS, when you you know, let's say when a TCU gets held out of the championship (coughs) game, or a Northern Illinois goes undefeated and they hold their MAC record against them, you can't knock a team for winning all their games. Yeah, so much has to happen or go right for you to win the game. A zero in a loss column speaks for itself. It's bingo. You know, beat me last is is a saying that I always use. Like you're only as good as your last game. Well, we won all of them, so we're undefeated. So at least let us have the opportunity to fail. You know, But if you don't give us that opportunity, how can you ever say with conviction that this team wasn't as good as their record indicated? So if Monmouth or Kennesaw finishes at 10-2, and two, you got to put both of them in. Absolutely. Again, folks,
0: this is the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. And that actually leads into our next segment really well here. And let's talk about the parity this year in the FCS. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a level of football this close. I mean, FBS, you're seeing it too. The parity at all levels of college football is tremendous, but we're two weeks away. We're two weeks away from having our having the selection show, putting the bracket together, and getting those 24 spots. We, have only, we really only know of one team that's in, and that's San Diego out of the Pioneer. They've basically wrapped it up, but even they have not officially punched their ticket yet. But look at every single conference, even the ones that don't necessarily get a spot in the playoffs like you look at the ivy league they've got five teams that can win the conference you look at the uh the MIAC, and there are three teams that can still go to the celebration ball who you could make an argument for as being able to go into the playoffs and make a difference but i don't think we've ever seen anything like this where it's so wide open and it's it's so foggy the playoff picture right now that we can't make it we can't make a call
1: yeah, I mean, and parity comes from recruiting, development, and coaching, right? So when you look at teams that we are constantly surprised about this year, that we've been surprised about since preseason, Campbell, yep. Lafayette, Furman, Austin Peay, Central Connecticut State, Hampton, Howard, Elon, Delaware, Sacramento State, or even Northern Arizona. Yep. you know So you look at all of these teams that – You're looking at week to week, like wow, you know this is a who knew, but and they're shaking up the conferences. Yes, and usually there's only like one or two of those a year where you're like, hmm, Mm -hmm.
0: interesting. Okay, we can we can put you guys in this year. You could talk as you just put down the list there. I could probably come up with another five or six if I got the time,
1: right? Because it it blows your mind that there's this much turnover. Let's just say in the FBS, right. Iowa State is a story, even though they just lost. You know, yeah. They pulled the Iowa State and lost a team that was unranked. <laughs> right? so, but they knocked off whoever. But then you have Iowa, who they, just knocked off Ohio, Ohio State. State again. You got Michigan State, <laughs> who knocked off Penn State, who no one thought Michigan State was going to be good this year. And no. now they lead the division. Yeah. So we are sort of seeing – some of this in the FBS level, at the FBS level, but there's a shift. The, is, there's a whole shift. And I think because I've said this a, a lot, but I think kids nowadays are making more informed decisions mm-hmm. and they're going to where they're wanted. Yeah. They're going to where they can play early and often. So the talent is now getting dispersed across college football. So if you're a kid sitting there at home thinking like, man, hey, how can we – should I go sit the bench – at Florida State or should I go start at Kennesaw State I'm gonna go start at Kennesaw State because their games on ESPN 3 family still can watch them I'm still getting exposure and I get to play yeah and I can still get drafted just as easy just as easy
0: it doesn't matter there's if a guy s- right
1: now that plays for the Colts for uh, that plays cornerback Dante Blackman Kennesaw State yeah
0: so and it, you talk about it, I mean I, I we harp on the big sky all the time but it's worth noting there are seven teams within one game of each other, that can win the whole thing. And you're talking about, you know, you have your Eastern Washingtons and your Weavers and your Montanas, but Southern Utah? Where did they come from? Northern Arizona? There's no reason these teams should even be close in the big sky. You look at the Missouri Valley, you got five teams that realistically can win this thing in the Missouri Valley, which is never this close, and especially with what happened this weekend... With all the teams that the three teams at the top losing to the three teams behind them, that's wide open. But even the Patriot League, as bad as bad, as much as the
1: running joke has been this year, they've got four teams with two weeks to go that can win the whole thing. I'll even toss in the Ohio Valley Conference, man. Yeah, you have Austin P. and UT Martin jumping in the conference, jumping into uh, to the conversation. And Eastern Illinois. Eastern right Illinois, there, right? Tennessee State is still competitive. Yep. you know they're five and four, so. Eastern Kentucky is not an easy victory at all. They've been playing better. So, top to bottom, even in the Northeast Conference, man, to see a team like Bryant get off the mat because of their offense, Sacred Heart is still a good, tough team to to, to, to play. Uh, We've seen Wagner now get off the mat too. So, again, I think it's because of coaching, the development that's going on, and the fact that kids are making informed decisions that we're going to that we see parody now, and we're going to continue to see it moving forward. And we could see one of the best post seasons. Oh, in absolutely, long, long one of the more competitive post seasons. Where yes, we just made the case for Central Arkansas having a no exit. You know, although you see one exit, but you know, let's say one to no exits going from Arkansas to, to Frisco, Texas. But imagine the journey along the way. Oh yeah. You, you know I mean, last year we had There's San no easy Diego. Games. Yeah, we had San Diego beating Cal Poly you know, in the playoffs last year, right? And and so this year we're going to get a great playoff series because of it. Exactly. And you talk
0: about these, you know, there's always the powerhouses that you expect to make a run to be at the top. And then you've got what we're calling "roddy Dangerfield teams. No respect. And some of them are ranked and ranked pretty highly, but they're still kind of like, yeah, you're you're in there, but are you really here? I mean, like JMU is still looking down and saying, Eh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's a chihuahua. It has yeah, teeth exactly. that can bite, but am I really that worried? It's barking, and it's annoying, but
2: yeah. But, you know, I I, I
0: we're a Yeah, you know? exactly. But here's the thing. There are a bunch of these teams that this year, they're going to step up and say, you know what? You're not ignoring us anymore. And one of them is going to be JMU's possibly could be their undoing, and that's Elon, number seven in the country. They've got over Nova, Richmond, Furman, and, and Albany. They're 8-1. How is this team, like, not in – how are they not in the top five?
1: I'll, I'll give you some ancillary reasons why, or potentially ancillary reasons why. They don't have a name that, that is, like, fearing Elon. He's kind of uh, – what Elon. is yeah, Elon. The, the mascot phoeni- isn't yeah. is – It's the Phoenix. It's the Phoenix, right? Yeah. So a lot of people don't know what that is. So <laughs> the color scheme is just not eh, – you know, it doesn't – they don't have threatening uniforms. So because JMU wears purple, that's why they're number one? They have the Dukes, the, <laughs> the, the mean-looking bulldog with the crown. We don't even have a – we don't know what Dukes are anymore. Exactly. We don't have them in this country anymore. Bingo. So oh. Elon has a lot going against him. Elon is also in the middle of nowhere. True. So – I've been down that way. I, I've I've been down – You have to North- be yeah. going to Elon to find <laughs> Elon.
0: <laughs> or going through Elon to get to the triangle. Exactly. And then you're like, oh, Elon. Hello. <laughs> like, oh wow, this is where Elon is. But I'll tell you what though, their last two games, they could jump into the top five because I'll tell you what, they're at New Hampshire next week, who UNH is always in a good battle. Their last game
1: is home with JMU. That is gonna be <laughs> so that's gonna be a huge you think they're not I hope they don't overlook New Hampshire. I'm glad they played New Hampshire before they play JMU. on the road. Or, so. Right, because you have to be focused against New Hampshire. Yes. And they could essentially kick New Hampshire out of the playoffs. By beating them, because New Hampshire's a team that you don't want to face in the playoffs because of their track record. So they have two games they have to really be focused in on to 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 really make their claim. So I'm
0: absolutely in agreement with you. What other teams would you put in this category? The teams that really don't get the respect they deserve?
1: Austin P. Because the Governors have been historically bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, again, we made a joke earlier in the in the season that. This was a team that, that football field fell apart, literally. Yeah, in the <laughs> yeah. corner end zone, it was done. Yeah. Crater. But they got all that fixed, got a new coach, got new uniforms, new rebranding logo, and they've become a threat. They actually gave Jacksonville State a competitive game early. They gave
0: Cincinnati a competitive game Bingo. early. Bingo. So
1: it, it, they they have they have good wins, and when we talked about competitive losses. Yeah. They have that too. Yeah. So – Austin P, I believe, is a team that is not getting respect. Also, Western Carolina. I was about to bring them up. Why? You look at
0: this team; they're tremendous. They're one of the top ten rushing teams in the country. They're also putting up thirty-four points a game. How are they only ranked number? Two? Last week they were ranked twenty-four. At least they're ranked. Austin P and and Monmouth, who is another team I would throw in here, aren't even ranked. But Kennesaw is, and but Western Carolina. This is a team that is going to get overlooked by a lot of people. And you want to talk about a team that could give Sam Houston trouble. This is a team that could give Sam Houston trouble. Number 19 in pass defense.
1: They got speed, man.
0: They are a fast. They, they fly. They, they, they don't run. They
1: fly. The Trez Newsome, and I mean, for you draft uh, analysts out there and you want an underrated name to put on your list right now, the Trez Newsome, the running back, can legit flip the field in an instant. He has serious speed.
0: And see, and then again, you talk about star power. They've got some. They got some. You mentioned, you just mentioned them. But as a team, all offensively they can fly all over the field. Defensively, rushing game is suspect. Rushing D is very suspect. That's the one thing that I could see holding them back. But their pass defense is right there with anybody. Speaking of passing
1: the ball, Stony Brook. Yes, thank Listen. you. <laughs> Shout out to Joe Carbone, the quarterback, for turning for turning his career around because. He was on pace to be the worst quarterback in the CAA, to put it lightly. You know, because yeah. he it was double digit interceptions, mm-hmm. single digit touchdowns every year. He has flipped that, become a, an asset and not a liability. And Stony Brook is seven and two on the season, because we know they can always. We always knew they could run the football. We always knew their defense was going to be great. Now they're getting great complementary play from their quarterback in their passing game. Can we say they are one of the most well balanced teams in the country now?
0: I'd look at it that way. I mean, I'd still say, I mean, obviously, what Carbone has done is tremendous. Sixteen touchdowns this season, throwing the ball. I mean, but again, that's not their strength. Right. So you're not going to expect him to put up 300 yards a game. He's just not got. You know, there's not the kind of offense. He's they doing run. what he's
1: supposed to do and and winning the situations. He is.
0: We talked about this just before we came on the air. He is running his offense like a Tom Brady. What do I say when I mean that? He's getting the wins. But he knows he doesn't have to throw the ball. And he knows if he takes that long ball, he's going to make a mistake. I mean, how often do you see Tom Brady throw a 30-yard pass consistently in a game? You see him hit the crossing route to Amendola or Edelman. Occasionally, you'll see him go up to see in the Gronk. But most of the time, it's a 5- or 6-yard route, And unless the wide receivers do the work. He's doing what he has to do to keep the ball moving. He wants that running game to get 8 yards on the first two downs. So that way, he's got a 3rd and two, third and 3. He's comfortable, he makes the right choice, smart with the football, get the first down, keep it moving. But you talk about the Seawolves, I've been high on them for a couple weeks in a row now. The Seawolves are for real. This team will give you trouble, especially, on. The, you said it, on the defensive side of the ball, coming out of the CAA, there, this is not nothing. To have a top 25 defense and not be called Villanova or Richmond <laughs> right. coming out of the CAA, this team will give you trouble. This is a team that has beaten Richmond, beaten Albany, beaten New Hampshire. I'm just saying, the last year, they're not. They haven't gotten a big test. They got Wagner and Maine to finish the year, which is they should win those two. But
1: I want to see what they can do in the playoffs. This is a team I think could make some noise. So they don't play Elon, or did they lose to G- JMU already? Their only losses are to South Florida and Delaware. They don't play JMU or Elon this year. Wow.
0: Which again, this might be their record could be a product of very favorable scheduling, <laughs> right. but. Again, we won't know. We won't know. We, won't, we didn't know about San Diego last year, and they knocked off Cal Poly. Exactly. So, we don't know. You talk about losses, though. Had, we talked already about Eastern Washington and how they're in trouble. There were some other teams that took a loss this week that I think could be in trouble for making the postseason. And I'm just going to throw out a name to start here. I'm going to throw out Duquesne. Oh. Because we talked about the NEC, how it's going to come down to them and Central Connecticut State. Duquesne was in the driver's seat. If there was going to be a team that you could say and make an argument for if they lost that game, they could get in, it was Duquesne. Because Central Connecticut, six and three, again, coming out of that conference.
1: Coming against that schedule. You yeah, know, it's couple of, you like, know.
0: yeah. Duquesne was seven and one. They were going to go to eight and one if they got the win last week. They dropped a game to Liberty. And again, oh, but Liberty beat Baylor. Baylor just got their first win of the year against Kansas. I don't want to hear that Baylor's a quality win.
1: Shout out to Kansas.
0: Yes, shout out to the Jayhawks. Basketball season is coming soon. <laughs> but, yes, they're 4-0 in the conference. They're 7-2. But what other quality wins does this team have other than St. Francis? They needed to get this win against Liberty to have something that you could say was a kind of quality win on their schedule. Because their only loss before that was South Dakota State. And you could look at that and you say, okay, that's understandable. The Jackrabbits are good. There's a reason this team is in the top ten. You lose to Liberty now. You don't get respected out of a small conference. I think Duquesne has to win this game now against Central Connecticut just to get in. Before, I thought they could lose and maybe sneak in in that
1: 24th or 23rd spot. Now it's a must-win game. Right, because you look at Central Connecticut State playing this game. This is one of the landmark games that they can hold on their resume. Like, yep. hey, we beat this team. They also beat Penn, yeah, which is a good quality, quality win. But – you're right. Duquesne is in big trouble, man. That's one team you, I'm glad you mentioned because I had them written down as, as one of the teams I was going to mention. Illinois State. I had them, too. That – they are in trouble, man, because you look at where they are in this conference. Two huge losses. Yeah. You know, two ugly losses. I mean, you lose to the Salukis. You're losing to an extra hairy dog. Like, like that <laughs> loss to Southern Illinois, not good. That right, that's not good. And the way the optics of this last loss, no. phew, not good. No. And who did they have? Who do they have left remaining on their schedule?
0: Left on their schedule, I. It, it's not. It's not great. And here's the thing: I think that that's a team that could really be hurt by the parity too you talk about exactly. the small schools that the small conference schools that are going to be hurt by the parity Illinois state some of these big conference teams that are you know sitting in the middle of the road that might get in as a fifth team mm-hmm. that might not happen their last two games though
1: are at South Dakota state and then home with the bison see that's why i'm saying they're in trouble they're in big trouble they could <laughs> lose the next two games easily even if they split i still believe they're in trouble they would have they would have been expected to lose the last two games exactly. the
0: losses that you wouldn't expect or Southern Illinois, who they got blown out of the water by forty-two-seven. They lost to Northern Arizona, who again surprising team, and now they've got a chink in their armor mm-hmm. in the Big Sky and Western Illinois. Okay, rivalry game you can kind of let
1: that go, but I think you everybody was kind of looking at their schedule thinking they supposed be to be in be, trouble. Right, they were supposed to be Northern Arizona and Southern Illinois. They so should have way, those, loss exactly because that way if they lose these last two games. Well, you know, they lost to the number one and number five team in the country, number two, number five, whatever the combination would have been. You can explain away those two losses. It's going to be hard to put a four-loss or five-loss Missouri Valley team in this year with the parity that we just talked about.
0: Exactly. And, again, we talked about Eastern Washington. They have to win out for me. Again, unless they're seven and four and they get the respect from the conference they could get in, I think they're in big trouble too. Just because of the number of losses that they've already had in a conference that that's that is that strong, the big dog survives.
1: They're not it this year they're it, just not it. I mean they are not it man they, I, and granted, I would say Hampton too is in big trouble yeah, because Hampton and, and Montana state those were two big losses this weekend and I, I think they're done, but you know because there's no way Hampton can fight their way back up you know, in the conference of yeah. and, and be in the conversation. Uh and Montana State really needed to beat Kennesaw State to have a, an outside chance as at an at large bid. Absolutely.
0: Folks, we're gonna be right back after this quick break. We're gonna be talking about our games of intrigue for this week. There's a lot of trap games on the schedule as we go into next to last week of the season. We've got still some winless teams that we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit. We got some big games coming up this weekend that could decide a lot. The picture's gonna get a whole lot clearer in the FCS coming up at the end of this Saturday again you're listening to the FCS opening drive podcast David Hasagan with Emory Hunt presented by the Connecticut School of
2: Broadcasting We'll be back after this quick commercial break. So, you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now is the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production.
1: 800 tv radio or visit GoCSB.com.
0: Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hasigan here with Emory Hunt. It's been an exhausting hour, but we still got a lot to talk about because this is what I like to call Trap Game Saturday. We're into the next to last week of the season. Everybody's already looking to the postseason a little bit. You can't get rid of the window that's right in front of your face, unfortunately. There's a lot of games of intrigue we want to talk about here, and we're going to start with a couple of big games in the Ivy. We're going to start with Dartmouth taking on Brown, neutral site game at Fenway Park. Is this going to be trouble for the big
1: green? You never know with games being played at historic venues. you know? Yes. So that's why this one lands on the game of intrigue, because you don't know what Brown is going to show up and do. Uh, I know Coach Phil Estes does a great job having his team ready to play, but Dartmouth, you know, kind of cooled off a little bit, man. They mm-hmm. they were they were up there with Columbia at one point, and, you know, now they're 6-2, and two, but what I still believe in is defense and run game travels, mm-hmm. despite it only going right down the street to Boston. I think they take care of business.
0: I think so, too. I think Brown, you know, Brown is the new Columbia this year um really haven't put too much up offensively defensively they're porous uh they're the one team in the ivy you could really say that about um i think dartmouth probably handles this but again when you got the green monster over your shoulder it's easy to get caught up in the lights mm-hmm. that's the one thing i could see with them going wrong other game in the ivy though that we have on here here come the crimson harvard is making a charge and right now they're only a game back of yale the game is next is not this week. It's next week. That's why this game against Penn they can't sleep on.
1: It, that's where I was going to go with this because it's easy for them to lose sight of the fact that Penn can actually put up points. Penn's, Penn's offense, dangerous. yeah, they're dangerous. And so, Harvard is still – I'm still not sold on the Crimson. The intrigue is there because of what you mentioned. If they win this game and go into the game – with a chance to beat Yale, their rival, and win the conference. Yep. Therein lies the opportunity. Yep. But it also adds to the intrigue of this one because Penn knows they can spoil that situ that scenario. Yep. So, I think Penn because of Justin Watson, who is the best receiver in the FCS. Let me put that out there on Front Street right whoa, now. Whoa, whoa, this guy whoa, right whoa, here, whoa, whoa, listen. Whoa. 6'2", 215 with speed to burn. He is this year's Cooper Cup coming out of the FCS. But he's from the Ivy League. He can't be good. They don't play in the playoffs. They don't play anybody. (laughs) I guarantee you line Watson up against anyone. Anytime they played out of conference, he shined. He is the one consistent performer that they have. And this is a guy that's going to do great. He's going to either be in the East West Shrine game or the Senior Bowl. Either way... Or either one of those, he's gonna come out as the story. I like him. I do like pinning this game too, by the way.
0: Ooh I do. Okay. And then here's the thing, they put up a, they had a wild game against Princeton this past week, thirty eight thirty five. But this is also a team that can put up sixty five points. They did that against Lehigh.
1: I was at that game too. That that was you tossed that game out the window. That was like <laughs> no defense. So let's not use that. Either neither defense showed up that day. I'll, yeah, again. I know with Ivy League schools, they're spending a lot of their
0: t- time studying. Harford better not be st- overstudying on Yale and forget their pen exam because if they do, that could be in a big, big shock.
1: That's that's great wordplay by you, by the way. That was
0: great. I had to learn something in that college. I didn't great. learn much, but I, I had like to learn that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Springfield. I'll get. I got your back later on. Another game in the page, in the Northeast. We're spending a lot of time in the Northeast with our games of intrigue. The Patriot League has an interesting one. Lehigh hosting Holy Cross. Now, we thought Holy Cross was going to be the team this year to blow everybody away. They're still in it. So's Lehigh. And so are half a dozen other teams. Is, again, another big game on the horizon. Lehigh, Lafayette in two weeks.
1: Here's the thing you know who's going to be the biggest Holy Cross fan? Lafayette. Colgate. Bingo. Lehigh owns the tiebreaker <laughs> against Colgate. So Colgate really needs Lehigh to lose. Somewhere. Somewhere. And this is the opportunity for them to lose. Because Holy Cross is built stylistically a lot like Lehigh. So yes. we should see a ton of points. And it seems like Holy Cross has figured things out, got back on track. They've won two straight. And now they face a team that has no defense.
0: If you want to watch a fun game, folks, this is the one to That's go That's going to be the one to watch. If
1: you're in the Northeast,
0: find your way, get to Lehigh, where is lehigh you'll figure it out put it in your gps you'll get there <laughs> it's right off 80
1: you'll find it you'll hit you'll run right into it but you
0: cannot sleep on the crusaders but here's the thing that lafayette game you're talking about the oldest rivalry game in college football no matter what the team's looking like especially with lafayette this year that is still gonna be a tough game so lehigh has to keep focused though because the crusaders are going to give them a game let's move to the MIAC. and again another trap game norfolk state traveling to take on howard now howard this is a much-win game for them. If they want any chance of a Mi'ak team, I think, going to the postseason, unless NC Central pulls off the win over A&T, the only way the Mi'ak gets in is if Howard runs the table, and they have to take care of business against Norfolk.
1: And they're going to need their defense to show up once again. They did a great job last week against FAMU. So, yep. And you look at Norfolk State. They have good enough players and, and good enough coaching to win that game. And Howard – Obviously, they need some help. They need help. They got to get ranked. They have to get help from Central uh, losing, but also beating A and T, and they have to win out. So they need a ton of help to either get to the Celebration Bowl or just get ranked to where they can potentially. I think they don't. I don't think they get in that large bid. They don't have a chance to get ranked high enough. They they should have. They shouldn't have lost that game. Now, granted, they got an FBS win. True over UNLV. They could, if they would have beat Kent State. It will have been hard to keep Howard out of the rankings and also out of the at-large spot in the playoffs. And they
0: only lost to Kent State by a touchdown.
1: Wish they had that game won, but they couldn't stop the run, which brings right. me back to their defense. Yes. You know, can they stop Norfolk State on offense? This game is intriguing because Norfolk State is primed to pull off this upset.
0: Definitely. And I, and I think when it comes to – Howard's got one of the more offensive – one of the more underrated offenses in the country. They do. But they can't stop a nosebleed. So – yeah, no, and they got Hampton on the horizon as their game next week. Again, Trap Game City is what this one is, and Norfolk State could easily pull off the upset. Another team that could pull off the upset is East Tennessee State. They're traveling to take on Samford. Now, the SOCON has been weird. Wofford has been at the top of the conference, 8-1. and one. We've both said it. They haven't exactly run away and hid in this conference, and even if with their win-loss record as it is, it's not impressive. Samford is the one team that could possibly jump over them because they have owned the tiebreaker. They need to win and get some help. They can't sleep on this
1: game. And who did they lose to last week?
0: Samford uh jeez.
1: Cuz <laughs> when we were ready to be all in on Samford,
0: how did you lose to Chattanooga?
1: Exactly. Why? And that was the <laughs> that was a game that just made you think like, man, we were all ready to push the Bulldogs forward, they lose to Chattanooga, who, by the way, uh, took Wofford to the brink as well, too. Yes. So maybe they're starting to get things going down yes. there uh, in Chattanooga. But East Tennessee State is a really good team. I think they're a year away from being next year's Kennesaw State. Okay. There's a ton of talent on that team, and, and they're finding out ways to win, which is why they are in a position now to knock Samford out of the at-large running. Hmm. Because Sanford has – a legit case to be an that large team win over Kennesaw state that's a nice win that's a nice win win over wofford win over mercer see so if they lose this game they would have now lost to east tennessee state chattanooga and the an fbs opponent right and western carolina and western carolina so they need this game east tennessee state i think is in position to really screw things up for sanford and that's the mark of motivation for a team within the conference
0: never sleep on a team that's playing loose with nothing to gain Mm -hmm. and nothing to lose exactly and that's the spot we have in our last game and that is in the SWAC Grambling who have been running over everybody taking on Alabama State who have all of a sudden turned it around they've won three in a row after making a change at the head coaching position is this the last test though for Grambling before the Celebration Bowl
1: here's the thing though I don't I don't know how how would you feel if you're Brian Jenkins, your team is winless. They let you go, and they go three and zero, and find themselves back in the Swack East race. So
0: I'm eating a lot of ice cream. Right, <laughs>
1: it's a lot of ice cream. Watching a lot of Maud. That may be a little bit before your time. Maud was a great show. I have no idea what you're talking. Exactly. About, but Google but it when you're done. YouTube it when I'm done. But I'm gonna laugh because it's part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Good, good reference. Good, good reference right there. Anyway. Right. <laughs> back on point, but. Alabama State seems to have found something defensively. Mm -hmm. And that's what you need to beat Grambling. Defense. The offense is irrelevant. You have to be able to stop Grambling. I don't think they can stop Grambling, but I'm intrigued enough by this game to actually watch it and see how it plays out. Because, again, to go from being winless to winning three straight and back in the East Division to put yourself in a position where, hey, maybe you might see Grambling again. With a chance to go to a Celebration Bowl, now, I don't know if they've already lost to Alcorn, but they did win the Magic City Classic. We know that. Yep. Uh, so this is a big game for them,
0: and they have lost to Alcorn. That w- that was the uh, the last game before the coaching change. Exactly. So
1: now they need Alcorn to lose twice. Right. You know, and they have to win out. So, and if they can do that by beating Grambling, who knows? And that- you
0: were saying though, can- and you stop Grambling. This is why this is an interesting matchup. Grambling is the number thirty-two pass offense in the country in FCS. Alabama State, for all the problems they had, is the number four passing defense.
1: What's their rush defense like, though? Because that may be a misleading statistic. Sixty-fourth. Exactly. 67th. Teams are running the ball against the Hornets. It's a whole lot better than some of the other teams. We it is, see. but their pass defense, I mean, with the athletes they had back there on the back end, it makes for an intriguing matchup.
0: Grambling will have to be two-dimensional to win this game. Exactly. Two-dimensional. Again, folks, this is the FCS opening drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hassaggin here with Emery Hunt. We have to do a quick talk about our winless teams. There's few in number now. It's getting lower. It's few in number. We had Cal Poly beat Portland State. Somebody had to win. Somebody had to win. And you want to get a win if you're a winless team. Schedule Missouri Valley. Uh, <laughs> this is be Mississippi. Mississippi. Right. That At that's this the Devils. Texas Southern gets off the mat. We didn't think that was going to happen. We got three teams left now that are winless. Portland State, Indiana State, VMI. Obviously, Indiana State's the team that jumps out at you and is like, how in the world are the Sycamores this bad?
1: They can't be this bad, can they? They can't be that bad, man. I feel bad for them because Kurt Mallory is a new head coach over there, and you want to see new head coaches get rewarded for putting their process in place in the spring and seeing it play out. If I had to pick out of the three, who does Portland State play this week?
0: Portland State's got, uh, well, they got Weber.
1: Okay, so if I had to pick out of Indiana State and VMI –
0: you're not taking VMI.
1: I'm not taking VMI. I got Wofford.
0: I mean, let's be honest. If, you know, if not this t- is the game that Wofford loses to
1: lose the SoCon, they should be ashamed of they themselves. They should be ashamed. of I think Wofford rolls in that game. Who Indiana State plays? They got Western Illinois. Jeez.
0: There, there's. I don't think that. I think we're gonna have three winless teams in FCS this year. If
1: season. I right, if I had to pick someone from this list, I'm gonna roll a dice with Indiana State.
0: I mean, that's the only team. That's you the can only and, right. I mean, and it's it's amazing. Again, a team that, that is that storied. Indiana State has been a problem team. This is a team that has gone to the playoffs and made some noise. And, again, you don't want to blame a first-year coach. He's obviously bringing in his guys. He's, you know, first year on the job. I just hope they have the patience with him. That's they a will. One they, he's, a good, he's a good guy. They and will. you have that more at the FCS level than you do at the FBS. You know, FBS coaches are just being tossed out the right. door every other week. Um, But I, I think Indiana State will come back I don't know if they're going to win this year I don't, I really, I mean You know, Western Illinois is hard enough Western Yeah, Illinois is hard and they're enough playing game. for something Yeah, but their last game of the year Is against Northern Iowa I mean, let's be honest <laughs> They're not it, beating Northern Iowa either No, it, it, it's a tough, it's a tough road They've had a couple of tight games But really, they just have to improve defensively that, right. That's really what all it is they took Liberty to the brink. They took Eastern Illinois to the brink. But other than that.
1: They don't have Mississippi Valley State on their schedule now. Can <laughs> they get them on the schedule later? They're trying to, they are trying to get you and I to cancel, right? <laughs> All right. No,
0: no, no, no. We're not playing you. Let's swap Delta it out. Come here. Come here. We need some help. Um, but, no, I, I can't see it. Let's go into this week, though. And, again, crunch time. We've talked about some trap games. We've also got some really, really interesting games on the schedule. And we've got a good one in the Miac to start with. Hampton. They have an outside shot, maybe, of getting to the Celebration Bowl. They're going to need a lot of help, but they also have to need to take care of business. South Carolina State's their opponent this week.
1: And that's why I, I think this is going to be a tough role for them because the Bulldogs, Buddy Pew is one of the best coaches in the MEAC and one of the best coaches in the FCS, and his team is always tough to play. Hmm. Hampton may have probably realized now since they lost last week that their chances are slim, so we don't know how motivated they're going to be for this game knowing that they don't have a shot at the celebration bowl, because they need a lot of help. They first of all, you need North Carolina anti to lose. That yeah. ain't happening. No. So that's gonna be a tough game for them.
0: Let's talk about the big sky. We've talked about this game a lot. Eastern Washington travels to North Dakota without their starting quarterback, without one of their starting linebackers, in a must win game for the Eagles to have any chance of getting to the postseason. Does it happen?
1: I don't know, man, because... This is a shootout. Backup quarterback, shootout. missing your star linebacker. North Dakota State could play spoiler. I think I'm going to go with the fighting Hawks in this game. I, I like North Dakota to win. North Dakota, their, their offense, compared to other teams in the big sky, is low producing.
0: You compare it to the rest of the country, though, this team can still put up some points and some yards on you. We already know what Eastern Washington's defense can't do, which is stop you. Right. North Dakota's defense isn't much better. But I'm with you on this one. I think they can pull the shock. And if they do, Eastern Washington, what a fall from grace. Right. But I, I think it's possible. I, think, I also think this could be a game where it could be like 53-52 at the end of it.
1: And you don't see your star quarterback get suspended for violating team rules. Not this late in the year. Exactly. And that's why that's a weird situation out there. Something really had to been bad for him to be suspended. So I like North Dakota in that game.
0: Let's move to the CAA, and we talked about two teams that have an off years, William & Mary, Towson. William & Mary especially, a team that the name, and again.
1: The coach, Jimmy Laycock.
0: Yep, and
1: they're winless in the conference this year, though. And and I think they're going to stay that way, too, because Towson has shown that they have slowly gotten healthy. Yep. Their offense is starting to complement their defense now. Um, I just want to see Coach Laycock get to 40 years in one spot. He's at 38 or 39, I believe. Um, and this is a, a rare off year. I know they've done a good job recruiting. I just don't see them beating the Tigers in this one.
0: Yeah, Towson has shown signs of life, especially over the last couple weeks, um, taking a couple teams to the brink. So I, I'm with you there. I mean, hopefully, hopefully they can let him go as far as he wants to. I mm-hmm. think he's in the position now where he can be like, all right, you know, when, I, when it's time for me to step away, I will step away. Right. Um, I don't know. We don't know when that's going to be. I mean, you've been coaching 40 years in one You place. are William & Mary. Yes. You, you can do whatever you want to do. Right. You can do whatever you want to do as long as you're not hurting the program, which he isn't. So, obviously, you hope, you hope William & Mary can get a win in the conference, but you're right. I think Towson's going to be a tough game for them. Missouri Valley Football Conference. Oh, Youngstown State. Just when we think the Penguins have gone to Antarctica for the winter, they come back for more, and they got a win last week. They now have Southern Illinois coming up this week. Both teams are four and five, two and four in the conference. Is there really a chance that they can get into the postseason? Really?
1: I'm not ready really? to bury the Penguins, man. I'm not ready <sighs> to bury it. I've, I have faith in the Penguins. I think they go to Carbondale and they get a victory over the Salukis. I like Youngstown State by no real rationale other than the fact that this is how it has gone all season for the Missouri Valley Conference. The Penguins still have Bo Pelini. They still have a good foundation of talent on their roster they still went to the fcs championship game last year i get all of that doesn't matter right now i don't see how they lose to southern illinois i like the penguins in this game see here's the problem you can never you said
0: rely on the penguins you can never rely on penguins because these are animals that when a plane flies over they all look until they get to the tipping point and they fall backwards (laughs) and here's the thing that's how they're going to lose this game because you're talking about the number 22 pass offense in the country coming into their that's their next game that is what Southern Illinois has been able to do their record might not show it but when you have a weakness Youngstown
1: State's got a weakness here's the thing did you see the the fight between AJ Green and Jalen Rams yesterday oh yeah that was fun that was fun right you saw what he tried to do right
0: get a little shove and and
1: he choked him out tried to choke him out yeah, right? yeah that's what Youngstown State is going to do with their running game I think they're going to come in here and try to choke out the Salukis <sighs> with their ground game
0: pfft <sighs> Whatever you say, man. I'm just saying, (laughs) Youngstown State, they're not making the postseason. Please do not let them make the postseason. But this is also a strength versus strength. They have the number eight pass defense in the country. So that's going to be interesting to watch. If they can shut it down like they have all year in the passing game, they easily win this game. Mm -hmm. If they don't, it's going to the fourth quarter, and it's going to be tight. SoCon, Western Carolina, Mercer, an intriguing game. This didn't make our games of intrigue, but I think it could still be up there.
1: It should be up there, right? But – for me, what keeps this out of the intrigue, I think Western Carolina has way too much to play for. Mm-hmm. And Mercer is good enough to where you can't sleep on them. So I think they can take care of business. Mercer is going to make this a four-quarter game. This will be one where we're checking the, the, the box score throughout the day or watching it and wondering when the, the shoe is going to drop. I think the Catamounts can – can overcome and win that game.
0: And this is really the last game that matters for them in terms of the playoff picture because their last game is at UNC, which is the game, actually, they could win. They could beat UNC. They could win, but in terms of the FCS picture, you're expected to lose to the FBS opponent. Right. So the loss to Hawaii to start the year, that is expected of you. If you get two losses in your FCS schedule, that might be enough for them.
2: And you
1: know what's interesting? They're playing North Carolina at the right time. Yeah, I, I I'll be at the North Carolina pitt game this Thursday, and Pit should win that game, which will put North Carolina probably at one in nine or one in ten by the time they meet Western Carolina. They could pull off that upset. I, it's it's easily possible. Tar
0: Heels are are having a really down year. They put in their young kids. They might not know what to do. Western Carolina, this is a tune up game. If they beat Mercer, especially, they know they're basically in. That's a tune up game against an FBS opponent. That's a great way to go into the postseason. <sighs> Let's talk about another game, though, in the Big South, Liberty, one of their last games in the FCS level before they start their transition to the FBS. They take on the Blue Hose of Presbyterian. We've talked about them before. You know what they're going to do. Can you stop them?
1: I'm rolling with the Blue Hose in this one, man. Because of the fly in the ointment factor, because of the we-don't-beat-ourselves factor, because of the fact that Liberty is too unpredictable, Presbyterian is going to win an ugly 16-9 game.
0: There's a reason that the Liberty is nicknamed the Flames. You don't play with fire. But with them, you don't know what you have to <laughs> exactly. do with It's the team that beat Baylor. Yes, I know, Baylor. But then they only beat Indiana State by a point. They then lose to Jacksonville State, St. Francis, and Kennesaw, and Monmouth. <laughs> but then they turn around and beat Duquesne last week. Right. So uh, you talk about a team that is Jekyll and Hyde. It's Liberty. Presbyterian, again. We've said it all along. We know what they're going to do. I think they got a shot to win this game. I think Liberty's got the high-flying aspect to them, but Presbyterian's got a pretty good pass defense that don't most people don't know about. And again, it's going to be tested. Their rushing defense is poor, so, so this is going to be very interesting to watch, see what Liberty does if they change their game plan a little bit to get this win over Presbyterian. They really don't have anything to lose or gain by this. They're not going to the postseason. They're starting the way up to FBS. They're focusing on that now interesting game I think Presbyterian gets the victory. Southland Conference now this is an interesting one Stephen F Austin taking on Nichols now Nichols is another team we didn't even talk about they are our Rodney Dangerfields Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> right seven and two six and one this team could easily make the postseason out of nowhere nobody is talking about Nichols State but this is their last stumbling block possibly. Can Nichols get the
1: win? They can, and I think they will. This is a tough team to play, Stephen F. Austin, because of how the Lumberjacks spread the field just by nature of their offense. So Nichols has a good bit of balance. Defensively, I love the way they attack you at the defensive line. Sully Leach is a guy that's going to be an all-conference player, obviously, may get some All-American consideration, so, I like Nichols in this game. I'm glad to see that program get back on the right track. Coach Rebo has done a great job in rebuilding the Colonels down there in Thibodeau, Louisiana.
0: And that's the thing. You, you look at their two losses. One of them was to the Texas A&M.
1: They should have beat Texas A&M. And
0: it was a close game. They also got they got blown out of the water by Sam Houston. Right. But they've won five in a row. They also have wins over Prairie View and McNeese. They started off their year with a win over against McNeese at home. And you said it. They're balanced everywhere. There's no real – you know, they're again, it's a team that's – Good to greatish at mm-hmm. every at every point, but not a team that's going to blow you away anywhere. But in this conference, again, that could be enough. If they win this game, that's six straight wins going into Southeastern Louisiana in their final game of the year, rivalry game, in-state game. But they know they win out; they're in. If for me, if they win out, I think they're in.
1: Oh, they're in. I think they have they, they have the strength of schedule argument covered. They have the conference play covered. They just don't – they can't afford a, a slip-up here, uh, but they haven't shown the ability to slip up and lose to teams that they should beat. Yep. So I think they take care of business.
0: And one of the game I want to focus on here before we wrap things up, and that is basically the NEC Championship game. Duquesne hosting Central Connecticut State <sighs> win, and you're in. Where does this one go?
1: Oh, my God. You've got two Th-
0: teams that have been tremendous this year, two coaches that could easily be Coach of the Year candidates, might not win because of what's going on at Austin P. But this is a toss-up.
1: It really is. And and we talked about teams, we talked about the parity, and we mentioned Central Connecticut State. Now they've reached a part where they're expecting to win, but they're not getting the credit. So they are in that Rodney Dangerfield discussion. This is where it can be a problem for Duquesne. Duquesne is coming off a heartbreaking loss. Yes. Can they quickly hit reset, get back on track, and get focused against the Blue Devils teams? That will be what I'll be watching for this week. How do they respond to losing last week in a game that they really should have won?
0: And it's going to be a lot of responsibility on their quarterback, Tommy Stewart, who obviously was at Boise State the last two years, transferred to to Duquesne, became their starter, and he's had a tremendous year, 23 passing touchdowns. This kid can really sling the ball. He's also got a great wide receiver in Nahari Crawford who could turn into, I mean, he's got the speed to really make things difficult for Central Connecticut. But again, Central Connecticut State is, again, one of those teams that they do not beat themselves. You have to go out there and beat them at their game. And their game is in the trenches. It's physical. It's running the football. This running game is going to be tough for Duquesne to defend. They've won now six in a row, including wins over Sacred Heart, Penn, Brian and Saint Francis—they got a lot of confidence going into this game. I think Central Connecticut pulls off the win and the upset here, and that will punch their ticket as long as they don't slip up to Robert Morris in the last game of the year into the FCS playoffs. That's that's my opinion. I think the Blue Devils get it done, folks. We've got a bu- We've had a busy week. Last week, we've been trying to pull not pull our hair out over all this mayhem. Emory, you are a truly busy – I don't know how – you better be getting some frequent flyer miles this weekend because you are all over the place. Where are you going to be?
1: This week I will be at – Thursday I'll be at North Carolina Pitt. We already talked about that. Uh, Friday I have another football game playing university coaching segment. I love doing those at Washington and Jefferson, the presidents. Uh should be a good program out there in, in western Pennsylvania. I've seen them play before. Uh, we cover the ECAC ball games. So excited to sit down down and talk with Coach Sirianni. And Saturday, finally got the game on the schedule of who we're going to be covering. I'll be the broadcaster, the color commentator on the PSAC Championship Game uh, Division II matchup between Indiana University of Pennsylvania, who's undefeated. They play the Eastern Division champ, Westchester, the Rams. So the game will be at Westchester. So a should be a a great game. Got the Beast of the East, who nearly lost the East Division crown. Uh, to Millersville, a team that they should have beaten handedly. Millersville almost gave the East Championship to uh, Shippensburg, which which would have put us in the middle of the 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 uh, PSAC against Shippensburg and, and IUP. IUP ran away with the West Division. West West uh, Chester was able to f- figure things out and beat Millersville. You're
0: just got to put you in that meme with the guy figuring out what the calculations exactly. right now. Like- that, that, that's what you, you look like. like. I think they beat this team, who then turned around to beat this team, who lost to this team on by the by, by the way the bus schedule, and then turned around because to Because
1: you, you kind of want the two best teams <laughs> to be in the championship game, right? And it wouldn't have been heartbreaking to have a team out of it like Westchester Chester. Well, you know, okay, Westchester is clearly the best team in the East, but we'll be on that broadcast uh, Saturday and Sunday as always fantasy football uh fantasy sports network lineup lock live show i'll be there in studio from 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern time on the fantasy sports network you can watch it on youtube live download the app and all that good stuff like that check me out
0: and again springfield i know i get, took a little quick shot at you earlier in the show i told you i was going to pay it back i am now i'm really going to pay it back big win this past weekend 62 nothing over Maine maritime we are now number 20 in the country And again, there's no automatic bowl bit out of the New Mac this year. We're now in the top 20. You gotta pick us NCAA, please. Come on. We put up 549 more yards rushing. Held Maine Maritime to 111. Big game this weekend. Last game of the year hosting MIT, who only has one loss in the conference. Take care of business. Have a day, Pride. Get out there. Get the win. I want to see some postseason football. I want to see some postseason football, not some ECAC ball. I know it's fun, but... Don't knock the
1: ECAC bowl because I'll be the broadcaster on it.
0: (laughs) Just just get me to the playoffs already. Folks, again, this has been the FCS Opening Drive Podcast. Week 11 coming up. We only got two more weeks until we're talking postseason. I know. We're talking playoffs.
1: Playoffs?
0: And we're going to have a – we're already planning, folks, a big postseason special. We're going to be talking about who's going to be in, who's out. And once we get that bracket in, we're breaking all of this down because we're going all the way from first round all the way to the championship game, and who's taking everything home.
1: We're also going to have all of our correspondents in here, our FCS whip-around correspondents. Even me. Even you. <laughs> you got I mean, to come back. Yeah, but it's San Diego. I mean, yeah. yeah. You first one in, last you know, <laughs> last one out. But first yeah, one out.
0: Pretty much so. But, no, it's going to be a lot of fun in the next couple weeks, though. Will the trap games come back and haunt some teams this week, it could be the case all over the country, folks. Thanks for listening in again. If you want to follow any of this, make sure you follow us on Twitter: FCS Kickoff, FCS Opening Drive. Follow my man Emery at Fball Game Plan. Check out all the stuff on FootballGamePlan.com/slash FCS Kickoff and YouTube.com/slash Football Game Plan, where you can get all of your football game plan knowledge, all those sit downs that Emery's going to have this week. You'll have all of that on there. Make sure to check it out. We'll talk to you next week. See you later.